Good morning, everybody. Hey, it's May. Woo! I like May. I like late May. If you have allergies, you're preaching to me, right? Um, but hey, June is coming. Summer's coming. We're excited about stuff we're rolling out. Hopefully, you get our Sundays coming. We announced our camp dates. We're hoping they're going to be just fantastic. Some of you are like, you setting up the tent again? Okay, not the worship under, because I might pass out. Um, but uh, we are going to set up the tent again in just a few weeks. We're going to set up the tent, I think, in the beginning of June, in between the two buildings on the cement. We're going to have some fellowships. We're going to get some small groups together to see you. Some of you are like, I don't know anybody. Neither do I. So it's okay, all right? But we want to get together. We also want to do some strategic and intentional things out there over the summer. We're putting it on the parking lot because many of you didn't know that on Saturday nights before those Sunday mornings, Mike was hanging from poles in midair in windstorms, okay? So, so we want to get that a little more stable. Um, then we're looking forward to a few vision presentations. We want to communicate with you in June. The leaders are praying and discussing things um, this month. And then in September, I hope to come to you guys with some updates on our vision. So I'm going to give you a little inside information. I'm going to do a visual, a visual example of what I see God doing from the inside that we're, we'll, we'll know in the, the Lord's timing when to share. Here, here's what God's doing with our church. You ready? I'm going to act it out. <laughs> and, when, and when he's done stirring... It's going to be very exciting. I'm excited to share that with you guys. I love to see how God's working even, and I got to admit, the weirdest time period of my life. Have you ever been surrounded by this much conflict? Sojourners, sojourners, we are called to live missional, transitional, intentional lives. What does that mean, missional? I am an ambassador of Christ. I represent him. Therefore, how I talk, how I post, how I act, how I walk, how I make decisions, and how I lead others is very important. It's not okay for an ambassador of Christ to go, I don't care what they think. That's not, that's not an ambassador of Christ. We know that. Who cares what they, because it's what they see in Christ when they see me. That's what an ambassador of Christ knows. They have a biblical concept of their testimony. A sojourner knows they're transitional. So they don't get really worked up over seasons of life because they know they're seasons of life. They also know they're just passing through. God is the fixer. He fixes things. Have you noticed you can't fix people? If you could, you'd make a lot of money on this earth as a counselor. But we can't. God does that. We can only point them to the truth of Scripture. Amen? That's what a transitional sojourner knows. But sojourners are also very intentional. I mean, we know this. Paul wrote the church in Colossians, and he said this, redeem the time. Can I ask you this? Are you redeeming this time period of your life, or are you blowing it? Are you redeeming this time period of frustration and, and, and annoyance, maybe, or fear or anxiety? Are you redeeming it? Am I buying it back? Am I using it to God's glory and intentionally? Or am I letting it oh, get the best of me? Because conflict is all around us. And that's what our sojourner is called to today. As we start our second missionary journey, we see Paul is going to be called into conflict and have to sojourn through conflict. Anybody going through conflict at work? Anybody got conflict in their house? conflict in their life with a friend or somebody like that, conflict online, whatever it is. If you've got conflict, that's what we're called to sojourn through today. 
Isn't it nice to use the word sojourn or passing through, knowing we will get through some of these things? But are we going to come out having redeemed that time of our life, or are we going to have come out having it wrecked that time of our life? Because I can promise you, how you handle conflict could affect the rest of your life. Ask a young girl who wants to marry a guy whose parents don't like her and she knows it. If it affects the rest of her life, just ask. So, so conflict's important. We need to understand how to handle conflict. Young people, they say, don't get into leadership if you don't think you'll have to handle conflict. That's why I'm not getting into leadership. Okay, okay, fair, fair. But conflict will come, and we have to learn how to sojourn through it. But you know what? A lot of people don't have any conflict strategies. And so they have to live in this conflict. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something with a, with a huge, with a huge, I, I pray this comes off pastorally, not, because you know how the devil likes to condemn and shame, okay? None of that. Here's the deal. Hear me. There is no pain like family pain. They say mothers' happiness can only get to the level of their kids' worst adjusted, of their worst adjusted child. Like if that's kids struggling, that's where mom's at. Family pain, oh, whether it marries into your family, whether it's part of your family, whether it's grandpa, whether it's mom, family pain can put such a heavy weight on everyone. It wrecks Easter's, it wrecks Christmases, it wrecks get-togethers. And I'm going to tell you, family conflicts all around because guess where we're sharing all our frustrations right now? With our families. You don't think it's a heavy weight when an older brother and his wife say, I'm not talking to my sister again, mom. You don't think that's a heavy weight? It's a massive weight. The weight that we put on one another and how we handle conflict burdens people and weighs them down like, like a yoke of an oxen. Because many times what we try to do is we try to manipulate, control, and push submission through weighing down of emotions. H have you ever heard of the yoke of an oxen? I, you know what? I just happen to have a yoke here on stage. Can you believe it? I know, right? Like what? I mean, don't you all have a yoke at home? So, so I got this, and this is legit. This isn't like, I called a couple, I called a couple of our farms. We got some farms in our church. We got, we got some farms. And I said, hey, do you guys have a, that, well, we have a horse yoke, we have this. Oh, but I know somebody who has a, a, a legit yoke. I'm like, really? Yeah, Shauna. I'm like, okay. Shauna's got a yoke? Yeah, all right. Maybe I should call Pastor Kyle. I don't know why Shauna have a yoke. But I, I found she's like, it's awesome. You're going to love it. I'm like, it is. It is awesome. You know why they put a yoke on the oxen, right? They put the yoke on the oxen, right? And you were often, and I know for you perfectionists, that's not how the yoke goes. Just, just live with me, okay? <laughs> I'm the same way. But the yoke would be tied to an oxen who'd be tied to another oxen, right? With the yoke, right? And, and, and what they would do is they put these on oxen so they would stay on path, they would stay on course, but it, would, it was a symbol, it became a symbol of submission, okay? It was taught that way. But it also, it also 
was a tool to control the animal, to get it to carry, as well as to participate with the other animals and carry submission. Now, now, now Jesus warned leaders, don't put heavy yokes on them like the Gentiles. Some of you are like, oh, I'm in Pennsylvania. Is he allowed to do that in church? Yeah, why not? At this point, why not? Okay, but... You get this heavy yoke. It's good for us to laugh. We need that. Uh, You get this heavy yoke, but what they would do is they put the strong, experienced oxen with the weaker oxen. Oh, I know who the weaker one. No, sometimes those who are strong are actually the weak. And that stronger oxen would show that weaker oxen or younger oxen or cockier oxen, this is the way we go. Rabbis got a hold of this illustration. I know you were all studying rabbinic tradition this week, so you remember what we were thinking. Rabbis would tell their apprentices to follow these certain rules. You can only take your mat that far on the Sabbath. Oh, no, you cannot talk to them. Hey, that's a Samaritan woman over here. We don't talk to them. Um, and, and, and the more law, the more law they could put on their apprentices, the more pious they were. <clears throat> so they would follow the Mosaic law to a T. They would grab the ceremonial laws and they'd follow them to a T. And then the rabbi would add his own laws to the point where there were some rabbis who had to memorize over 300 laws to follow. Some of the teenagers were like, yo, that's my mom. Just... Uh, And they put a heavy yoke. They put a heavy yoke on their followers. And so for some rabbis, their followers looked like this. We're coming, we're coming. Well, you're supposed to walk at that pace. Oh, that's right. This is what it's like to live with someone who you never know what you're getting when they walk in the door at night. This is what it's like to live with a grandma as a, as a young mom who's always disappointed with you. Yeah, it's disgusting. This is what it's like to have a brother or sister you grew up who won't even talk to you right now. This is what it's like to have to deal with someone who's angry all the time, complaining all the time. This is what it's like sometimes in families. Now, don't you let the devil sneak in and shame you because this has been a hard year, but we've been dumping on each other at homes and I can't tell you how much family conflict is out there and it hurts and it's not gonna go away. And, and, and moms, they get something. We don't get dads. They get something. They know those wounds are gonna last for a long time and that's why they cry harder than you. You're like, it was Friday. Nope. I'm going to be dealing with that 20 years from now. And what happens is anger comes in, frustration comes in, annoyance comes in, and words like, I'm done, come in. Do you ever notice that society doesn't care if you're done something? And have you ever noticed that God's timing, when it's not yours, he's doing something, don't let the devil hear, win. He's doing Christian, God. Kids, listen, if you're not God's kids, this isn't for you. Listen, God's kids. He does things for you, not to you. For you, everything. And sometimes even 
conflict will lead to a beautiful restoration in your family if you let a word win. What word? What word? Stay with me. But I promise you it's not pride. I promise you it's not pride. For God's opposed to the proud and gives grace to the humble. Lord, give us strength during conflict. What do we do? What do we do? And then here's where Jesus comes in. He goes, invitation. I want to send you an invitation. What, what, what? He says this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Anybody out there exhausted, tired, annoyed, frustrated, sick of it, done with it? Anybody? Anybody done of being scared, anxious, angry, afraid, judging others, saying hurtful lines? Just anybody done dinner talking like that? Yeah, 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 that's me, Jesus. He says, come here. I want to give you rest. And then look what he says. Take my yoke. What? Yeah. He's a rabbi. He's a teacher. He said, take my yoke and learn from me. But you don't understand, Jesus, I really like that guy's opinion. No, 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 no. I understand that. Learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly of heart. Have you ever been around a child of God who has strong convictions, okay, they have a direction in their life, they have a great prayer life, and, and, and they're very strong, but they're gentle, and they're humble, you'll find they are a joy to be around. Why? Why? Because they cast off a lighter yoke. Jesus says, yeah, that's me. And if you come to me, you're gonna find rest. Anybody want some rest? Yeah, he goes, come here, come to me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Today, as we launch out in the second missionary journey, you ready to travel? As we launch out into the second missionary journey, they have a decision to make. There's an argument that's broken out that's brought in a lot of conflict amongst the Jews and the Gentiles. Shock of the world, right? The Jews have some laws they want to put on the Gentiles that they're not sure if they should. So the decision is, do we place a heavy yoke or a lighter yoke on them as God's called ones? And this decision weighs heavily in the balance when you find out what the decision is. And Paul and Barnabas are on one side, and there's a group of men on the other side. And conflict comes into it, and they have to make a decision on who they will listen to and what they will do. And so a letter is formed, and it's sent to the people to tell them what they should do. And in that letter will be the determiner of whether the yoke will be heavy or whether the yoke will be light. That's where we're headed on the second missionary journey, and you got to get ready for some debate. You got to ready for some going back and forth, and then we're going to listen to the result. And from that, I want to give some conflict resolution tools for all of us because I'm a little bit tired of how much the devil is winning in Christian homes, let alone other homes. I'm sick of him winning. I think you are too. And so let's learn from scripture, not from a voice. Let's learn from scripture of a roadmap of how to handle conflict. Heavenly Father, use this second missionary journey, Lord, as we travel 
to excite us to move towards conflict instead of hide from it, because the truth is it's not going anywhere and we all know it. The truth is we know pride's not gonna win it, humility is. And Lord, I bet somebody in this room is gonna have the Holy Spirit tap on him and he's gonna say in his loving, shepherd-like voice, I'm calling you to heal this home. Heal this relationship. Forgive this person. Drop the yoke. Calm down. Come to me. I can help. May we hear that still small voice amidst all the conflict and all the anger. And may we walk in humility to what you have for us next. Amen. Hey, first missionary journey, John Adams killed it and brought up so many cool things that we learned as they traveled throughout this Mediterranean area. But I want you to make note that it began with Barnabas and Saul. Now, in Lucan writing, if he put somebody first, that means they were the preeminent one. So believe it or not, but Barnabas, I don't, I'm not shocked, right? Saul, do, can we trust this guy? Barnabas was over top of Saul. But by the end of the first missionary journey, we see Paul and his companions. So we noticed that this Paul guy's a little bit of an alpha, okay? And he worked his way up pretty quick. And Barnabas, in great humility, helped and, and, and guided Saul into Paul. Now, now, now he changed his name during the first missionary journey. Any of you ever change your name? Guys, guys, football fans, remember, remember Chad Johnson turned to Ocho Cinco, right? Remember that? Right, right? So, so, so like, what's that about? You know, my, I have two names, Christopher Robin. Yep, school was hard. And I've stayed with Christopher. My dad's name's Robin. But, but they had dual names at this time, okay? So don't, don't overthink this. Jesus didn't go like, Simon, you're now Peter. He didn't do, Saul, you're now Paul. Paul said, I'm going with Paul. Saul said, excuse me, I'm going with Paul. Saul, more of a Jewish name, regal connotations. Paul, more of a Roman name. Do you remember on his missionary journey, he ran into Paulus? Remember? Remember Paulus? I wonder if he's going, you know what? Maybe I should go with Paul. That might help me with the Romans, Interesting thought, like, like, like if I go with Paul, more of a Greek name, God has called me to a mission to reach the Gentiles, I'm his chosen instrument, I'm gonna go with Paul. But, but do you know what Paul means? The name Paul means little. There was this guy, he said, I must become less and he must become greater. What an awesome thing to give himself a name that not only spoke his mission, okay, and his vision, but also his strategy. And he calls himself Paul, and signs and wonders are done. You don't understand. I mean, this kid, we, we raised him to life, and they started worshiping up at us. Oh, you are gods. And we said, no, we're not gods. But people were getting saved like crazy, but it got dangerous. John Mark actually left. It got so dangerous. That will come up again. But, but as I went off with my companions, the church kept expanding and expanding, and, and they went from salvations to stonings. Any ever, anybody in here ever get stoned? Yeah, I didn't think so. Do you remember scripture says that Paul was hard to look at and hard to listen to? Don't forget that. That's what they would say about him. And I got thinking, 
I got this image of Paul, and he is an absolute stud for Jesus in my vision. I mean, he is. But, but if I got stoned, and I don't think it was the age of plastic surgery, so if I got stoned, what does my face look like, my head look like, and my body look like? I mean, they stoned him so bad on his first missionary journey, they're like, yeah, he's dead, let's go. Do you ever wonder if this is what teachings of Paul looked like? If you're watching, I'm stumbling to the stool, or if you're listening... Did he, did he, was the cheek exposed, was an eye maybe hanging? I mean, dead serious. He was stoned. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I mean, if I'm sitting in that crowd going, I'll follow that dude anywhere. This is the leader we have that we go and sojourn with. And he's come across some conflict. But make no mistake, as Paul heals, he gets stronger. And you see the strength of the Holy Spirit flowing through him. But men come down now and ever challenging his teaching. What's going on? Yeah, watch this. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. I mean, they're bringing out the Mosaic law. They're bringing out God's teaching. Makes sense? But see, Paul is teaching salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, nothing else. And they're saying, "Uh, no, 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 no. These Gentiles need to become like Jews to be saved. So they need to be circumcised without going into tremendous detail. Circumcision's not that pretty, especially for adult males. Some of the girls are like, well, where's our role in this? Listen, at that time period, women were so underneath the head of the house that they weren't even having a public kind of profession. They were led by the head of the house. This is, this is why it bothers me just a little bit. I gotta be careful, I haven't preached in two weeks. This is why it bothers me a little bit when I hear like, oh, the Bible degrades women. Okay, oh my word. So not true. One, the Bible's not a reference book where you pick the verses you want out of context. It's a story of God's work. It's his story. History, his story. Of Jesus Christ, everything pointing towards him and everything looking back to him. And Jesus walked in, walked by the rabbis. Excuse me, guys. Hey, yeah, I know how awesome you are. Hi, Samaritan woman. How are you? And they're like, She's, he's talking to her? And then if you think women were lowly in that time period, get, take the kids. They were lower. I know in the 21st century, we go children, rises, and sons with them. But not then. Not then. It, kids were like afterthoughts. And Jesus is like, hey, rabbis, I want to teach you something. Disciples, come here. I want to teach you something. Hey, come here, buddy. What? Come here. Yeah, there you go. Hey, guys, unless you become like him... So so teaching Jesus meant things were totally changing and Paul's teaching Jesus. And and these brothers come in. I mean, these are good guys. These are good guys. They love the Lord. They love Judaism. And they're going, hey, wait, wait, wait. These Gentiles, they should be getting circumcised. Now, if I'm a Gentile overhearing this, I'm going to Paul. Oh. (laughs) Can't be in scripture. Watch what Luke says. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, 
No, Jesus changed everything. It is salvation through faith. Listen, Saul, Paul, whatever your name is. Scripture's been pretty clear here. I've got the Mosaic law. I appreciate your little road to Damascus story. I mean, can you imagine? These aren't like, you know, hey, I heard about, these aren't leaders in the church going like this. Paul and Barnabas and some others. I mean, this continued on. So Paul and Barnabas and some others were appointed, and I want you to understand how much you'll see the church involved in appointing their leaders to say, listen to them, we have appointed them. They're not self-appointed guys who found a Facebook pulpit. They've been appointed by a body of Christ to lead. You'll see this throughout Acts. God uses his church to appoint from within its often its leaders, and they said, Paul and Barnabas, we want you two to go. And others, we don't know who they were, to go to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. Somebody go ask Peter. Can somebody ask John? I mean, what about Nathaniel? He's really studied up on scripture. We got to find out, do we have to make these Gentiles get circumcised? Paul says no. Barnabas says no. But Peter, I heard Peter's down there in Jerusalem, and he won't eat with the Gentiles just to save faith with the Jews. So what do we do here? So, so this is how the first missionary starts, okay? And, and, and the church is guiding. So, so, so grab the map here. So being sent on their way by the church, there it is again. They passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles. And it brought great joy to the brothers. I love this. I love this. You can't, you can't hold Paul and Barnabas down. They're headed there. And remember, you go, wait, it said up to Jerusalem. Remember, they, they did everything geographically. So if they were walking up, they went up, okay? They didn't have Google Maps and all those things. That's up, that's south. No, no. Like, sometimes my kids would be like, Dad, Dad, can we go down to Allentown? I said, Bud, you can't go down to Allentown. Uh, but, but that's not the idea here, okay? They, they were Antioch, okay? So here are the things. And they go there. And, and they're so positive all the time. Do you believe in being positive in even the darkest times? I do. Your weather map doesn't. Your weather apps don't. Have you noticed that? It can, it can rain from 11 o'clock at night to 12 o'clock at night, but when I look on my app, Tuesday says, rain, all day. And then people come up, say, hey, are we doing it? Is the game gonna be played tonight because there's a like 25% chance of rain? I'm like, oh man, that's good, good, good. Okay, good, thank you for letting me know. Like, why? I said, because that means there's a 75% chance it won't. We always, don't we always do that? We always go to the most negative thing. Are you like that, mom? You're like, okay, I was thinking about what could happen and we're probably all gonna die. <laughs> Why do we do that? We do, we just immediately go to like, it's probably gonna be that. I got good news for everyone in this room. God can restore and rebuild and renew and redeem anything he wants to, Amen. Let's stay positive. Let's stay positive. They're like, they're going here for a fight and they're telling people, hey, everybody's getting saved, guys. Oh, that's awesome. So let's get to this fight. So we all like a fight. So when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles to the elders and they declared to them all that God had done. But some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, they rose up and said, it's necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. It's necessary. We can't get this far off course because of some new teaching. 
We saw the resurrection, it's necessary. And the apostles and the elders were gathered together. So now Peter's in the room. John's in the room. Thaddeus is in the room. Nathaniel's in the room. Paul is in the room. Barnabas is in the room. They're all in the room, and it seems like even the people are watching. And when you put that many strong personalities in the room, you're gonna have things happen. Anybody ever spend any time in business meetings or board meetings? I get the privilege, and I call it a privilege to sit on multiple boards in our area for different organizations. And when you're in those rooms, you're gonna find there's a few strong personalities in there. There's a reason they're in there. But within all of those meetings, okay, whether you're, you're at a hospital with a group of doctors, wh- whether you're over here in, a, in, a, in, the, in the council boards, wh- wherever you're at, you're going to find certain personalities in the room. So, so let's just shed light on it because everybody has conflict strategies. There is the avoider. We got a problem in this house. Listen. I'm like this. There's the accommodator. Hi, here's, you wanted tea, right? We got you tea. Okay, your coffee, do you have the chair you like? Is that the chair? Good, good, okay, okay. Everyone, we're good. There's the conqueror. All right, buddy, all right, buddy, listen. Hey, done talking? All right. This is the problem we have. Oh, they're leaning forward. You've been there. That's why you're laughing. We've all been there. You're all saying, I know who Chris is. Stop it. That's judgmental. There's there's the compromiser, right? Listen, what if we do this and we do this, huh? Huh? A little bargaining? If you do this, we'll do this. And then there's the collaborator. All right, well, they're saying this, they're saying this, they're saying this. So why don't we, right? Now put Peter, Paul, Barnabas Judaizers, Pharisees in the same room, and you got yourself the Jerusalem Council of Acts 15. And verses 7 to 21, if you have your scripture, I'm going to read to you what happened in that room. Buckle up. And after there had been much debate, I love how Luke just kind of goes, much debate, Peter stood up. Of course Peter stood up, right? Peter's like, all right, I got this. Okay, Peter, what you got for us? Here we go. Brothers, You know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by the mouth of the Gentiles they should hear the word of the gospel and believe. You heard this in prophetic teaching. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. I was on a rooftop God told me make no distinction. I walked into Cornelius' house. I shared the gospel. I watched the Holy Spirit come with my own eyes. That's the idea here. Whoa. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent. And then the next two guys speak, Barnabas and Paul. And as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles, after they finished speaking, James replied, brothers, listen to me. 
So, so Paul and Barnabas are like, listen, you guys don't even understand what happened. We did this, and then they got saved, and then they got saved. Wow. And then James steps up. And, and this is James, the half-brother of Jesus. This is James who wrote the book of James. This is Pastor James of Jerusalem. Awesome. Brothers, he always starts brothers. He's so calm all the time in all his writings. Listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them the people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as written. And he goes to scripture and quotes Amos. After this, I will return. I'll rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore, lots of wreaths, the remnant of mankind made seek for the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Therefore, my judgment, James's judgment, is that we should not trouble those Gentiles who turn to God, but should write them and tell them, abstain from the things polluted by idols. Don't worship pagan things. Flee from sexual immorality, anything outside God's design for sex. And from what has been strangled and from the blood. What's going on there? The Jews were still working through the dietary ceremonial laws. And what James in his awesome mind says, this incredible discerning mind, he says this. Okay, we're not going to make you get circumcised. But I want you to refrain from some of this food. Right now, because the Jews really are going to struggle with you Gentiles going, Hey, no circumcision. And we're eating. College students coming back home to mom and dad. Hey, mom and dad. Have you ever seen people rubbing their Christian liberties in other people's faces? James is back here going, don't, come on, God, don't, for the sake of unity. Wow, James's wisdom is electric. It seemed good to the apostles and to the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. And so they sent Judas called Barsabbas. Yo, yo, there's Barsabbas. Remember when Matthias was chosen and they cast lots and Barsabbas was like, all right, not me. He's back. God's using him. That's awesome. And so Barsabbas is used and Silas, remember that name. Remember Silas. You know Luke in writing, he always likes to present a leading figure coming. They led the men among the brothers with the following letter. Now, if you jump to verse 30, it says they were sent off. They went down to Antioch, again, down the mountain, geographic. And, and, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking like, are the guys at home? Listen, if that letter says I have to do that, I'm not doing it. Sweetheart, we gotta find another church. I mean, think about what's going on. They come, they gather together, and the letter's read. Are they gonna be circumcised or not? So, so here's, what, here's what scripture says in verses 23 to 32. The brothers by the apostles and the elders to the brothers who are, in, are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Sicilia, Greetings. Okay, okay, come on, stop your greetings. Chris, we love you, you're a great guy, but, so come on, come on. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from among us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instruction. They had self-appointed pulpits. They didn't get rubber stamped by an assembly. They weren't prayed over in front of the face of God and they weren't called out from among them to lead. 
They just created their own pulpit. We didn't do this, but we hear what they're saying. It has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by the word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. Who did they submit to? The Holy Spirit. It seemed good to the loudest voice in the boardroom. No, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. Abstain from sacrifice from idols and from blood and from the things that have strangled. Okay, let's do that out of the sake of your Jewish brothers. Flee from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these things, you will do well. Farewell. And so they were sent off. They went down to Antioch and have gathered congregation. They delivered that letter and they listened. It's going to be a lighter yoke. And the men said, sweetheart, give me a second. Yes! All right. And, 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 and it brought, brought what? What did it bring? What happens when conflict is treated with a lighter yoke of grace and mercy, yet discernment? What happens? Look what happens. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas, they remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of God with many others also. So, 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 so let's, start, let's apply here in our last few minutes. Let's apply. Let, let's do this first. Let's do this first. Who's your counsel? Where do you go for counsel? Who's your Jerusalem counsel, if you will? Who helps you make decisions? Can I just talk for the guys for a second? Hey guys, if you make all your decisions in isolation, bad move. Bad move. With counselors, there is great wisdom. They prevent you from destroying your testimony at times. They hold you back at times. They also go, no, if you don't say it, no one else will. You need counselors. My wife says to me, Chris, you need an older man in your life all the time. And so I've always pursued men, and, and take this the right way, older men who don't care anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, they're like, I don't care. This is what you should do. Okay, I fought my battles. Ladies, girls, moms, to make all your decisions based on whether your Facebook group of friends approve of you, bad move. Hey, I've never, I mean, I'm in my 40s, I've never walked up to somebody and said, yeah, in fifth grade I got all straight A's. How about that? <laughs> never, never. Take the yoke down. But, but what happens is we put yokes on people like you can't believe. Now, listen, I'm all about grades, so don't think I'm a whatever guy. Ask my kids. But we can't allow performance. We can't allow these little battles, parents, to destroy lifetimes. So we, who do we go to counsel? We need godly wisdom around us, preferably wisdom that is buried in Scripture to help our hotshot opinions our scared opinions, as well as destroying our families by saying things in the moments of rage that we really don't mean. Who 
who's our counsel? It was Chicago. The train was headed to St. Louis, a steam train just buried through the woods. The snow was falling, and they made a stop. And at this stop, a mother came on, and she was heavy laden. She had two kids. You can tell she was on her own. And she came, and she stumbled in, and she sat down. The conductor walked up to her, he talked to her, and she said, sir, would you please make sure I get off at Bayomont? I'm so tired, I can't miss that stop. And he said, no doubt, no worries, ma'am. The train's full, the conductor goes off, and another man comes up to her and says, hey, ma'am, I noticed how busy the conductor was. I will let you know when the Bayomont stop is. I've been riding this train for years, and I won't let fail you in case he does. Oh, thank you, sir. And he went off. Now, now the train barreled down the track, and finally, as the blizzard continued to come, it got harder for the train to go. And as the train came to the stop, he jumped up and he came to the lady. He said, ma'am, this is your stop. This is where you want to go. And she said, thank you, sir. She got her kids. She woke up her little girl, and they went out. And the thing, the doors closed, and the steam engine chugged off 30 minutes down the track. It comes to a stop, and the conductor comes back into the bag, and he says, has anyone seen a woman with two children? We are at Bayamont. He looked. He said, what? We're at Bayamont. I've been riding this train for years. Sir, we're not at Bayamont. Yes, we are. We stopped. We stopped 30 minutes ago. Yeah, oh, yeah, we had to do an emergency stop. With the snow and everything, we had to get some fuel. We also had to get some water, and then we moved forward. And they both came to the realization they walked that woman out into the middle of nowhere. You know what James says? He says, not all of you should be teachers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Who's your Jerusalem council? How do I know? How do I know? Here's been a guiding thing for me. Okay, I'm gonna release some of my age here, but there was a rap song when I was younger and the words were in it, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Okay? I don't listen to that anymore, being a pastor. But Look at the fruit of the spirit. This is how I check myself before I go into any conflict. I'm gonna give you seven strategies as you walk out of here. Any conflict. But the fruit of the spirit is love. Chris, you ready to handle this in love? I'm not sure, then wait. We gotta check ourselves. Because love is like the umbrella over all of the fruit of the Spirit. If you're going to walk into this conflict and have a lighter yoke, you're going to have to submit to this checklist. Can you do it in joy? <clears throat> Peace? Patience? Oh. Kindness? Believers, is it really okay for us to be yelling at people at Walmart? I think we know the answer. We're just frustrated. Goodness. This is how we're supposed to treat people. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Because parents, grandpa, so disappointed in my family. Grandma, you know what? If you're gonna continue to do that, I'm not sure dad and I are coming. Older brother, your husband's an idiot. We won't be there. Well, you know what? Just because he's an idiot. No, 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 no. 
And this goes back and forth and back and forth. You know what? My mom, oh my gosh, the second I get out of this house, oh my word. Jesus says, come here and learn from me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And when the debate comes, law or grace, you will find against such things there's no law. Way too much joy in this house. If I see any more self-control out of you kids, there's no law. And that's the light yoke Jesus offers. And he offers to all of us. And the devil comes in and shames us. But I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. If you don't lighten that yoke, what happens is, what happens is, at certain ages, it goes off different directions. And you know who the yoke comes back on of the 50s and 60-year-olds? So I check myself and I walk in with these seven. Watch this. Somebody getting knocked on? Is it time to gather to discuss the problem? Can I talk to the patriarchs of families? Is it time to gather? Start in private. Pride does not like to be called out in public. Start in private. It goes like this. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Can we go out to breakfast next week? I want to talk to you. If it's about, just come on, man. I'm buying. Gather. Hear both sides. Hear both sides. Proverbs 18 says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it's folly and shame. Well, you know what they said? Just hear the other side. Third, voice the end goal of this problem. Ephesians 4.3, be eager to maintain the unity of spirit and the bond of peace. Come on, come on, mom. Is it time? Come on, guys, come on. We gotta talk or at least start down that path. Do we wanna spend, do we wanna spend 30 years of the hellers living under this yoke? Can we get together? I think Jesus wants us to talk. Voice the end goal. We want to come together. Point out the real problem. You don't battle against flesh and blood. If you hate a church leadership right now, if you hate your local district, if you hate the body of Christ, they're not your problem. The devil is. He's trying to destroy your life. He laughs when he kills your marriage. He laughs when he kills your kids. He laughs when he leaves you in bitterness and grumpiness. Don't let him win. Somebody get competitive and fight back on him with the fruit of the Spirit. Point out the real problem. The devil's in this house. We've got to kick him out. Five, get wisdom's view of the problem. Hey, guys, hey, ladies, maybe you got to call somebody you respect that's not in the situation that you know is submitted to Christ, and you go, hey, can I get your thoughts before I tackle a problem? Because they might go, oh, don't do that. <laughs> Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Two more, and we're out. Six, admit any role in the problem. This is where humility comes in. As far as it is by you, live at peace. Come on, teen. You don't want to hide in your room all six years of high school. Come on. Let the Holy Spirit hear you. The iPads are great, but come on out. Have dinner. Come on. You know your dad loves you. He just, he's, got, he's got issues just like you. Give him some grace. Lighten the yoke. Seven. Discuss ways to stop this. Proverbs 17, 14, the beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before the quarrel breaks out. 
My wife gave me some of the best marriage advice ever when she was 24 and we basically first got married. She said, listen, I've got to live with you the rest of my life. I don't want to fight. I'm like, okay, so we're not fighting because I have to live with you. I didn't understand the have to live with me. I do now. <laughs> but she said, Let, let's, just, let's just not. We have an argument, we have an intense moment of fellowship, and then let's move forward. <laughs> so brothers and sisters, let me leave you with this. Judge not right now, lest you be judged. For the yoke you put on other people is how that yoke is looked at you. Why should I care about anybody else? Because sojourners are missional. And we know better. They're transitional, go ahead, put it up. And they're also intentional. And when there's a younger oxen or a frustrated oxen or an oxen that's done, they go come alongside and they submit to Christ. And they find it goes from this to come on, buddy. Come on, bud. Dad can run a lot faster than you and knows he can, but we're gonna walk at this pace. Why? Because patience is married to a word, and that word is humility. And you have no chance of being patient with people, with timing, or with anything without humility. God, give us humility. Help us to follow you for your yoke is easy, your burden is light. When we have the choice between law and grace, may we choose grace. But may we never shy away from conviction. May we never shy away from the truth. May we never shy away from walking into the conflict and saying, as for me in this house, this has to be fixed. We got enough problems in this world. We don't need them within the walls of our homes, in the cars that we drive, and in the churches where we worship. May we pull together under a common, common yoke, the one of Jesus Christ. He says, all authority you gotta deal with has been put in place by me. And so if you have a problem, it's not with your brother or sister, it's with me. So come to me, all you are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Because I have a plan, I have a purpose, and I'm not allowing this to you, I'm doing this for you. Redeem the time, sojourn through conflict, and watch what I can do. Amen.